You're listening to Show Pony Radio with your hosts, Sarah Patricia and Katie Joe. Because behind every buckle, there's a story. Okie dokie. Alright, so Sarah, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. So today we have three. We're going to talk to Mark Schaefer, who uh, lives in Italy. Say hi, Mark. Hello. And uh, Tim's here again, because he wanted to say hi as well. Hey, everybody. <laughs> okay, Mark, so just a little bit of background. I mean, everybody knows who you are and all that stuff, but you're from Pilot Point, Texas, trained horses. Give me the Reader's Digest version. Uh, just, um, I, I kind of left the, the horse training world about 2014. So since then, I've um, been doing the clinics. Okay, how'd you end up doing all that? How'd you get into that? The clinics? Yeah. Uh, it, it started, um, I guess it would start when I was doing my internship with Wes Weatherall. So on my days off on Sunday, I would uh, go around to the to the small communities and, and, and do some clinics. I'd charge 125 bucks a person and round up about 10 people on a Sunday, and there I was. There you go. And that's how you ended up in Europe, correct? That's that's how the clinic thing started. Is um, I was invited when I was like 23, 24 um, by Hubertus Jagfeld, which is you know was the kingpin of Europe for for many many years, and uh, so he invited me for a clinic, and um, that was I know, that was 20, 25 years ago. So most of, most of the Europeans came there. So I met a lot of people from different countries and. And then it just went from there to where people invited me to their country. And, and it just went from there. I just pursued it, is what I did. Sure. You're, um, and I mean this, one of the smartest guys in the horse business that I have the pleasure of knowing very well. And I have oh, respect for you. So what I'm just trying to paint for people is you were a horse trainer here, um, like us, in Pilot Point uh, for years. And then you slowly sort of transitioned into Europe, and then you were married, what, three years? And then you moved there permanently, is that? This is my fourth year in Italy. Fourth year. Wow, it's been yeah. Okay. So you live in Milan. We live smack dab in the city center. Okay. And what was your point, Tim? You wanted well, I, I just, I just think it would be great if you could talk to us a little bit about what's like living in Italy. Before this. Before all this happened. You know, tell us what it was like before, and then interject later what happened after the after the uh, coronavirus episode. Yeah, are there horses sure. in, in, in Milan? Like, what, what are we doing in Milan? Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. It's exciting. <laughs> I, I spend time with my wife. That's what I do. <laughs> so typically, all of my work is is outside of home. So I I travel from my job and. Uh, but when I'm in Milan, I'm I'm just spending time with family and, and my wife. And you've built a nice house there, and Milan is what like a fancy city. I mean, I'm just trying to. Pick well, this okay. So um, Milan is is not is not the capital of Italy, but um, Rome is. But uh, Milan is is noted for the for the economic city of Italy. So it's actually Milan is the wealthiest non-capital city in Europe. So <clears throat> it's it, it has a lot of industry. In fact, uh, you may know this, but um, 
Milan is hosting the 2026 Olympics, the Winter Olympics. Wow. So it's, it's quite, uh, and Milan has hosted uh, the World Expo twice. And of course, you know, it's the fashion capital of the world. So it, that's why lot. you live there. That's why yeah. he's dressed like yeah, that, too. I, I can see. He's fancy. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, it's it's quite um it's quite a city, and, and you know that's it, it's a it's a business city, but uh, it's very historical. You know, we just in the neighborhood we live in, there are churches that are you know over two thousand years old. So it's uh, we're living in a brand new building, but just beside us is a church that's I think was created in four four hundred and fourteen. So. Wow. Yeah, so it's quite quite a historical city. All right, so walk us through the CV19 thing, and if you can sort of give us an estimation of dates. We're just curious. Yeah, because, Mark, you know, you were one of the first people that actually called me and said, look, this thing is for real. This is uh, not to be taken lightly. Before, over here, we actually realized the, the gravity of it. So you knew over there what was going on before we did. That's what part of the reason why I thought it'd be nice to have you on here because you can give us kind of a timeline. I think when you first called me, I want to say it was maybe the first week of March, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was like March second or third. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me, I'm just going back up another month before. So I I normally do clinic tours in Australia, New Zealand, November, December, January, and when I was in January in Australia and. And this really refers to the international airports that I traveled in, like Sydney and Auckland. At that time, because if you spend any time in Australia and New Zealand, it's mainly Asian. So there's, it has a lot of Asian traffic. So when I was in these two airports, the international airports, in January, I was probably in the five percentile of people that wasn't wearing a mask. Well. And th this was this was in, I would say January fifteenth. So that's when I thought there's there's going to be a world problem because obviously you know it was only at that time it was only in in uh, China. However, uh, all the shops, all the vendors in the airports, the duty free people, everybody had masks on. So and then also you know I was getting a temperature check in January you know, when I was arriving to these international airports. So uh, that's when I thought, you know, we needed to pay attention. And then, uh, so I went through that tour. I came back mid-February, mid and I came to the States. I went to Justin Britton's wedding, and uh, life was pretty normal. You know, that everyone was gathering. There wasn't any conversation about, about the virus. Uh, and then I, I, I just was there for the weekend, and then I flew to Milan from there. And sure enough, Milan was coming into lockdown, uh, like like government full-stop lockdown. There, there was already stuff happening in February, but the countrywide lockdown, where you basically had to self-quarantine, was, was starting, was already on the way, and, and the airports were shutting down. So then I knew we had a problem. So... Because I had a U.S. passport, I was still able to travel. If I had a, if I was an Italian resident, once I got to Italy, I would not be allowed to leave. But because I had a U.S. passport, I was able to travel for work. So I did a few clinics in Europe in February, and I went to Czech, I went to Switzerland, I went to Austria. 
airports were, were starting to look empty and we were getting temperature checks then. So that, that would be the time where I thought, you know, it's just, it's just a month away from it hitting the States. That's about what happened, really. It kind of hits you guys about mid, mid-March as far as people quit. I think people quit joking about it in mid-March. Yeah, at that point in time, you knew it was going to be a worldwide epidemic and everybody was going to be affected by it. Yeah, yeah. So how bad, I mean, it's April 4th today. Um, Fifth. Fifth? April 5th. Yes. How bad is it now? Well, it, you know... I think the, the definition of lockdown is varies between uh, people. Our, our lockdown is our only time that we venture out of our door is to go to the recycle bin to take our garbage out, and we have to have a special paper on us at all times that says what we are doing in case we're stopped by the military. So literally, if you walk out your door, you have to be walking out your door for a essential purpose which is going to the pharmacy, going to a grocery store, and in some people's cases, they have to go out their door to take the garbage out. But that's the only time you go out your door. Are there armed guards? There is military on the streets, yes. And has anyone bucked the system? Yeah, I, I, I've known a few people. You could say, well, you could probably you know, try to get through a loophole. For example, you could be in your car and say, we're going to the grocery store. But if you're out of your neighborhood, and you say you're going to the grocery store, you're going to get a 400 euro fine. Because you have to be going to the grocery store in your neighborhood. And you say, well, how can they know what neighborhood you're in? Well, you have your driver's license, so they know what your address is. So you can't really, you can't really get around it. And, and what, what I think is different, and this just isn't Italy, but just, just Europe in general, that the sense of social responsibility is, is, is very high, and, and they take it quite serious. And for example, I flew through Vienna Airport, I think it was exactly on March 1st. There was no government lockdown, nothing. People were still living their life fairly normal, but the airports were empty. This was with, there was no lockdown. People just knew that was what needed to happen to control. No, there was a social responsibility that really took over before government took over. That, that's really the lesson I learned as a human is, okay, I'm, I'm young, I'm healthy, you know, I, I don't really have to be so scared of this thing. And, and that was really, um, that, that was really a kick in the ass because it was totally the wrong thinking. And right. really being responsible for, for your community. And that, that's, that's really the lesson I learned from this whole ordeal was the social responsibility in this. So yeah. what, what happens to people that own horses? Like, are they able to care for them? How do they get? Well, I'll, I'll give you a, a personal example. Um, my wife keeps her horse with her friend uh, just outside of Venice, and and it's a it's a riding academy. So there's you know it, it, there's kids. They have little pony games, and it's a huge school. They keep horses there. That's where my wife keeps her horse. Uh, the government shut it down. And the only people that were allowed to um, to be there is people who had to feed the horses. So if you can't be there, that means those horses, and this thing started March 1st. So that means these animals are in a box. Not even, a, because it's the only people left are the workers who feed the horses and clean the stalls. 
So no one is putting a horse on a walker. No one is putting a horse in a paddock. So these horses, for if we didn't move our horses, we, we did end up moving them, uh, they would be in that stall for the last 30 days without any movement. So Wow, that's crazy. How'd you get your horse out of there? Well, we had to get a special paper that's saying that, that there was an overcrowding situation. And we had to get a special paper, and we moved them to my, my wife's uh, friends, who is Anna Omadeo. She does the jackets. She moved them to her own place, and they built, made some makeshift stalls. And so they moved them there because they live on the property, and it's easy for them to access the horses, just like as you are right now training your horses. You can access your horses without leaving the property. Right. That's kind of a good thing about us here is, um, I mean, we're quarantined on our farm, but we're here on the farm. Yeah. In Europe, most people don't have their own farms. You know, they, they, they keep their horses, even the trainers keep their horses at, you know, a, a public facility. It's a pretty big deal for the horses. Yeah, it's changed everything for, for everybody. So what do you think the uh, prospects are going forward here, Mark? I know we talked a little bit about, uh, about it back in March. What's your timeline as far as this thing getting back together in Europe? Are you seeing the, they call the flattening of the curve? Are you seeing that over there? Is that reality? Or is that something we're being told over here? Or what's your take on it? Well, this is about the sixth or seventh day that Italy has stabilized. But, but there's other countries out of control like Spain. So anyway, I, I think the best thing you could do is follow what's happening in Europe because, you know, America's probably going to be between two and four weeks or whatever happens out there. So do you anticipate yourself going back to work soon? I mean, not not soon. I mean, in a month, two months? What do you, if you had to guess? This is just, we're guessing. Well, you know, in my last few years, I have developed a relationship with my luggage. And my luggage, my luggage is looking to, looking at me and saying, "What the hell is going on? <laughs> when are we going to get back on the move?" So, so you don't know, or you do? No, I, I um, uh, the domestic or the the, the United States carriers, uh, airline carriers, they are going back to work on May seventh. So, um, United, Delta, American. They're, they're all flying back to Europe on the 7th of May. So uh, I actually booked a flight back to the States on May 8th. And so the, the, the idea is for me to do about one month, one month of touring. The small gatherings will be okay by mid-May, I would imagine, in the States. You know, when I say small gatherings, you know, clinics, 10 people, I think that'll be okay. So my, my plan is to work in the States from mid-May to the first week of June, and then go back to Europe in June and start my clinics then in June. Do you think that if you were Italian, you would be able to leave mid-May? No, no, no. Let me ask you a question about horse shows in Europe, and, and kind of long lines of horse shows here too. So when you say a small gathering, that would be a clinic. That would be maybe 15, 20 people, let's call it, something of that nature. So when the problem that we're going to have, I think, going forward with horse shows is the amount of people that are concentrated in one place at the horse show facility. Now, we tend to think that's a big, big, huge number, but in reality, you know, there's there may be more people at Walmart on a Saturday than there are at the horse show on a Saturday, right? So what do you think, how is this going to work as far as horse shows go? Are they going to be able to go forward, do you think, when the small gatherings, I, I, I'm with you, I think it's going to go in stages, right? We're going to be able to have a group of 10, then we're going to open it up. And the last thing that's going to happen is, 
the you know giant football games and concerts and that kind of thing. Where are the horse shows going to fit into that picture? Do you think? Well, just let me tell you what, what the government, um, the Italian government, what they have advised the citizens is that normal life as we know it won't return till end of summer. So they'll probably, probably in May, they'll probably start easing up on the restrictions. So, you know, some things that we have to do, some people may go back to the office. But getting to the answer to your question is, we don't foresee any horse shows until July, August here. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, and that's the AQHA shows. So uh, we're, I think at the moment, there's, there's a question if we're even going to have the European Championship, which, which is in August. So uh, there is the NSBA European Championship, which is at the uh, end of June, 1st of July. Uh, I would say there's a chance that that is not going to happen probably a bigger chance that that's not going to happen than it is. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, we'll be lucky to have the European Championship, which is in, which is in August. Do you feel the worst people in Europe are, got, are going to pick up the pieces and move on? Or are we going to lose some of them? Is it going to, how is it going to affect the horse industry from a financial perspective, do you think? Um, the, thing, the thing is, is it's, it's not the same as America. You know, there, there's not that many... Uh, trainers, you know, if, if you want to compare it to America, there's not that many trainers that are, you know, hardcore, full-time, you know, running large training businesses. There's not that many. So it, it, it can be a bit seasonal, you know, for, for, for trainers. So I don't think it's going to impact the, the industry that much once things clear back up again. I, I think people are going to probably maybe go to more functions as far as clinics and things until horse shows get started because they're not spending the money on on the shows so they're going to spend the money they're, they're going to spend their disposable money on something so i i think you know there'll be gatherings of of trainers meeting together and riding and sharing ideas and customers coming and maybe having you know little mock-up shows and just things like that i think people are going to think outside of the box Right, but that's what we think about um, our country too. So the next question is along economic line. Obviously, Italy's been hit hard. How do you feel about the the state of your economy as a whole outside of the horse business? Well, it's hammered. Hammered. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, it's just, you know, uh, who can, you know, all the restaurants and bars, I mean, who, who can afford to stay closed for it's actually going to end up being almost three months. So it, it's it's really going to take a huge toll. And, and of course, tourism in Italy is, is, is huge. Yeah. Huge. So it's, it's going it's, it's to hammer the economy. It'll bring us to its knees. Do you think, I mean, will the Italian government try and do some sort of stimulus package or something to help your economy? Or are they just going to wait till it's over and then see what happens? Yeah, obviously there's going to be assistance. Uh, I, to me, I, I think the, the United States is quite aggressive in, in, in getting that stimulus out in a, in a quick amount of time. So um, uh, I think obviously we're all going to be fine from this, but it's uh, things aren't going to be back to normal until 2021. Makes sense. Yeah, I would agree with that. Things will never be as they were. You know, I think even when this is all over with, you have to look at how you deal with people 
you know, how you handle yourself in a crowd. You're not, you're going to be reluctant to stand real close to people even after, you know, maybe a year or two. It's going to probably change the way we handle ourselves, you know, in a, in a public place. And then, obviously, the economic part of it's going to affect us all, too. But life's, life's, I think Mark Cuban said it, what do you call it, American 2.0. Things are going to change. It's just like everybody. Exactly. Just, just to um, give you a perspective on, on why was why was this area, you know, in, in the spotlight, you know, for so long, you know, for, without trying to feel like I'm giving a geographic lesson, Italy is about the size of Arizona, and and the population of Arizona is about 7.5 million, and the population of Italy is 63 million. So. Um, so you think about it, you put 63 million people inside Arizona and you make some people sick, you can start to see, you know, how it can spread so quickly. And you can compare New York, you know, why did, why did, New, York, why did New York explode and not the rest of, because of the, the density of population. And, and there's about 60 million people in the, in the region of Milan. Milan itself is, is about 1.5 million, but... There's about six million in the in the region of Milan, so that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people in a in a small area. And, and Milan, Italy does have an incredible healthcare system. So in America, people like they don't go to the doctor. You know, they don't want to go to the doctor. Whereas when people started getting sick, they didn't think twice. You know, it, because it's free healthcare, and and it's an excellent healthcare system. So that's why there were so many diagnoses in a in a very short amount of time because it's a great system, a great healthcare system. It's free, and and people have a different thinking than they do in America. You know, people don't hesitate to go to the doctor if they feel like they need to go. Whereas in America, you, you don't want to go because you either don't have insurance or you know your insurance isn't going to cover it, or you know you got all these these questions in your head about about why uh, you need to go to the doctor. But um, so this is one reason why Italy got to be a, a huge, a, a huge spotlight is because of the density and, and the access to healthcare. Somebody said yeah. that the value of rural properties is going to go up in the future because of this. <laughs> so let's yeah, for a lot of our it. listeners. <laughs> right. Yeah. All bold of the country. Right. Uh, Our farm just got more valuable. <laughs> Do you know, this is kind of a sick question, Mark. Do you, do you know people who have died from this? Um, there are some people that, that I've, uh, I've crossed paths with at clinics that, you know, people have sent me messages back and, you know, people have been in a coma and, and uh, they, these aren't old, old people. You know, they're not old people. These are healthy people. So, yeah, yeah, I do know people that have, have come down with the virus and are in pretty bad shape. Hmm. How's Paulette doing? She's good, but she hasn't left the house in, I think, four weeks now. So, well, maybe just listen to the podcast. We'll shout out to Paulette, huh? Well, hi, Paulette. It was, birth, it was a birthday <laughs> yesterday. Oh, it was. Happy birthday, Paulette. 77. Wow. Wow. Lucky seven. 77 years young. Yeah. Mark, is there anything else you'd like to add before we uh, cut out here? Well, you know, I hate that this whole interview was about the, the uh, COVID-19. So we're gonna get we'll have another here. one. Don't worry. Yeah. We're going to have a fun uh, podcast here maybe in a month or so. Yeah. We're going to do a little uh, TZ and M Shake podcast with some, uh, some some history in it. Oh, we've yeah. been totally cut out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing um, that, that 
that, that came good out of the quarantine is me and Sarah uh, have officially figured out how to do this. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because before we always did it in person. And uh, now we figured it out. Which may so, work out well because we don't have to corner people at horse shows when they're trying to run around like idiots. And yeah, yeah. horse show pony to come. About that, huh? Yeah, for sure. Well, there's no better time to, to uh, maximize on show pony than now. <laughs> for sure. Give something gives people something to like smile about instead of just focusing on the negative all the time. Yeah, speaking of that, Mark, give us give us some hope here. Tell us something positive about what's going on. We've talked a lot about you know it's not necessarily negative, but. Give us some hope. Tell tell us something that you've seen or something that makes you think there's something that's going to perk us all up here soon. Well, I, I um, first of all, I think there's going to be some great ideas come out of this time. You know, they're, 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 whether it's in the horse business or in other parts of the, you know, how we live, but there's going to be some amazing uh, ideas that come up from this. And, and just as my wife and I, have experienced um you, you kind of learn how to just be mm-hmm. that's what we said yesterday you know yeah. you, you uh I, I my wife is an amazing chef i didn't know that until a month ago because <laughs> 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 you know normally we we you know when i come back from a trip we, you know, we go out celebrate and eat out because there's so many beautiful restaurants in this area but so we she's never really been able to share her, uh, her talents of, of cooking with me. So that's been a personal uh, um, positive thing, you know, sure. living at the moment. But uh, I'll tell you what I'm ashamed about. I'm ashamed at the amount of money I haven't spent <laughs> and the amount of money that's still in our account. Yeah. I mean, I'm ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> we spent a lot of money going out to eat. And, Just and, doing know, stuff. Doing stuff, Just, you know. I don't, I mean... Like, granted, we're not pulling in the money like we were before, but we're also not spending it. Yeah, Mark, Mark they, they never, you know, that generation never went out to eat. My mom and dad, when we were growing up, we both kind of grew up together in the same part of the country. They might go out to eat once every four or five months. Yeah. Know, and yeah. You know, we, we go out to eat four or five times a week. I mean, that's how, how things have changed yeah, over exactly. the years. We're we'll a little throwback a uh, couple of months here. Can we ask one random fun question? Like favorite sure, win, horse. favorite horse, something favorite favorite TZ Schaefer story. Oh, well, there's a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably shouldn't talk about those, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I think um, if Tim and I didn't have each other through some of those, I guess it would be late twenties, early thirties. Um, I I think we actually needed one another through those times. So. It uh, uh, we we actually fed off of one each other. Whether whether we liked each other all the time during those years or not, we, we did need each other, and I don't think we really knew it. Absolutely, oh, I agree with that. We pushed each other, no question yeah. about it. I always wanted to do what Mark did, and I think I pushed Mark hard enough to where he worked a little bit harder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna tell the story in the next podcast you two do together, but I remember clear as day you two fighting at the Riker. We've had our and Tim up. taking off running down the main aisle after you. We've had our ups. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Well, the app guys are fighting." Look, you guys understand. We've been doing this, Mark and I, since we were teenagers. Yeah, okay? we're, we're, we've been basically like brothers for our whole lives. So we're yeah. going to have our ups and downs. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. 
Yeah. What about your favorite horse, Mark? You got any, any horses that stick out in your mind? No, I, I listen. I can't tell you about a favorite horse. I, there's just there's too too many, too many yeah. great animals. You know, I couldn't do it either. I don't think I'd have a hard time doing that. Poor Shock Top, you know. Shock Top is Congratulations to uh, you guys on you've had a, a stellar few years. So congratulations to to you and the crew there. Well, thank you much, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Someday when you come stateside, we'll get together and, I don't know, toast each other. I don't know, however you do that. What are we going to do? Laugh and cheers or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, Mark, thank you for your time. Yes, thank you. And, um, well, thanks for having me. Uh, hey, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, for you listeners, we're sort of FaceTiming here. Mark has this, like, super nice, like, suit jacket and shirt on because he's a fancy dresser. Do you have underwear on? I mean, you can't leave your house. <laughs> well, actually, when I was listen, when I was getting dressed, uh, my wife said, "Just, just do what the rest of the home office people do. Just put your top yeah. on and don't put any pants on." <laughs> Can I see? No, no, I actually, I have my pants and I have my fancy shoes on as well. No, you just want to get dressed up. Any excuse. <laughs> well, I do have to take the garbage out. <laughs> in Milan, you gotta dress up today. In Milan, you gotta be sharp when you take the garbage out. <laughs> All right, my friends, stay safe. We love you. We love, right, you, love you guys. Great to visit Thank with you. you. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye, Sarah Patricia. Bye.